about, this panel session is about how to cater to and protect employee well-being. So, yeah, let, let's get to it. So this is my first time hosting a panel session, so this is very exciting and partly terrifying for me, so bear with me. Um, so I guess we can do a round of introductions. So hello everyone, my name is Jay Diamkara School. Um, I'm part of Game Dev London, and we do uh, like loads of cool things like a podcast series and like events. Um, few her pronouns. Previously, I was a musician and a composer for indie games. Um, now I'm the audio producer to Wearing Games. So I guess we can just go down the line, have a quick introduction of yourselves, and. Hi, um, I'm Annie. I'm creative director of professional games. I hope I pronounce my shaker. Uh, I'm Pat, I'm a digital analyst at Square Enix. I also run London Gamers. I also run uh, Safe Point Industry Gathering. I also run, I'm a host for uh, Games Industry Gathering, and my pronouns are she, her. Um, hello, I'm Eugenia, I'm Kirby, everybody call me EG, and I'm a senior character artist at Shark Bomb. Um, yep, that's me, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, I'm Mark Roof, uh, I run Command Studios, a small indie developer. Awesome, thank you. So just FYI, if we do have time for Q&A, there is a light stand somewhere over there. So if you do have any questions, oh yep, there's a light over there. If you do have any questions for us, um, please do feel free to go to the mic. If, you, if there's any uh, no time or anything like that, please at Dev London on Twitter so that we can maybe answer any questions a little bit after the panel session. So maybe let's get into it. Um, we're going to start with the question, what is employee well-being? Um, so obviously I'm coming from a freelance background. I don't really have the same idea of what employee well-being can mean. So I'm just going to pass it down and maybe we'll just go down the line. What does employee well-being mean for you and Blue Studio, if you are part of the studio? Has like an employee assistance program, but 
possible well-being is going a little bit further than that. It's going, what can we do for this? What can we do for that? And remembering that not every single uh, thing for well-being that will help somebody will help somebody else. So, for example, somebody working from home potentially is going to massively help their personal well-being, but for others it might be a case of working from the studio helps them because the focus, the environment, and understanding it's not just a one-size-fits-all. Um, I think the biggest thing is making sure that your employees feel rewarded, appreciated, not overworked. They have the time to do their own things. Like They have time to have fun. And remember that although we're game developers, we do also like to sometimes do things not related to games. Absolutely.
say that there's an issue, bring it up when you can't help it, but is this idea that you have the autonomy that if you're not feeling that strength that day to deal with something, you don't have to apologize to anybody, which is also very important. I mean, this is a big topic, but that's what we're trying to do in, in our studio. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it, it does sound like no matter what kind of size studio we have, big or small, you know, our, our team is very important to help maintain the health of the team because obviously a healthy team equals a healthy studio equals hopefully a healthy product that is developed right at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, no, I understand this is a very, very, very big question. Um, and obviously, doing all thing means a lot to different people. And, and I guess like maybe we can start breaking it down with my next set of questions. So maybe the, for the next question is, what can we do to create a healthy studio work culture? So what, what does a healthy studio work culture look like and how can we help maintain it? So I'm hearing like, um, oh, mental health well-being, encouraging activities outside um, game dev just in general. You know, how, how does that all look like to you? I'll put one back to the floor if anyone wants to hear you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I moved from an industry where it was like a competitive sport who happens to be their, their children for longest was like, oh, I'm gonna see my mom in three weeks. And it's like that sense of pride. Like incredibly toxic. And when I when I moved into the games industry, I, I was still working like three crazy hours because I was taking on a lot of work. Um, and those were the early days when I joined Perpetual. Um, and I remember my my boss just saying to me, like, you need to stop working so much. And I was like, it's fine, I'm managing. He's like, you need to take the weekend off. He was just he was so persistent with, you need to slow down, you're gonna burn out, that I, I realized that good well-being starts from the top, because that's where the loudest voice are. It's being that consistent thing through running the studio, constantly saying to people, do not overwork yourself, do not do extra hours, you know, if somebody's on Slack at 11 p.m., like, they get scolded and they get off Slack, go to sleep, but it's like these little things that are signaling like the type of culture there is. If someone is not feeling well, they are being told, go rest, take a sick day. So it's like this mentality stemming from the top, and it always has to come from the top. Like the higher you are, the bigger your responsibility is to champion well-being, you know, and, and letting your own behavior as well, because if you're the one like working, you know, overworking yourself, then telling your employees, yeah, you should take the day off. This does not ring the same. It has to be. It's two ways. It's almost like a conversation, isn't it? Absolutely. Taking a day off, day off um, can be seen very badly by an employee because you're saying you're now going to be excluded because you failed for not working too hard. So that's, I don't see that always as nice. Just take a day off because sometimes that can be very, actually worse and negative. So, one of the things that we're trying to do, what we're doing, is we have four hours, we have in everyone's calendars, like these are the hours that we're working. So we're now moving to some other software through Slack, just so we can say, you have to have like open hours, which is, you know, if we don't contact you, I want to be able to contact anyone at any time because um, I have an idea in the middle of the night, but I don't want you to answer it. So I don't want you to have notifications. I don't want you to have Slack on your phone. Right? I want you to, that's the thing that you come in in the morning and you know, read the thing there. So we're trying to like pull people away and say, we all know when you're working, and that's fine. Right? And you have four 
allows viewers to come to you because at the end of the day, the most important thing in the studio is the people in it. You know, it's like not the computers, not the technology, not not like some drawing that you did. It's the people who make it real. I actually really need some work just to just switch off my Slack on my phone. Yeah, because I always still feel bad like checking in or like Didn't like that, and it's nice to have those support. 
So it's about resourcing as well. It's about making sure that as a manager of a company, as a manager of a team, you have the resources to cover people being on holiday, people being sick. And if you don't, you need to get that sorted or you need to hire an external project manager, an external team, a freelancer, whatever you need to do to make it work, you need to do that because otherwise it's just gonna mess up everything in the long run. And it isn't fun to do that. It's not fun to be on a cruise ship and be waiting to get into port to suddenly answer an email because you're frantically trying to deal with a situation that nobody in the office can deal with. It's about having that, those extra people. Yeah. No, that, that's all really great because at the end of the day, you're all basically building a very good work people culture that all fits together and work together. So not only are you establishing a very good, healthy, you know, work practices from the top down, but you're actively encouraging everyone else to like, you know, encourage other people to take that time off. Like, do you really need to send that email like 15 minutes before the studio officially closes, for example, and then wait for the morning and then everyone doesn't have that, like, ooh, that email, I need to like think about it, but then I'll be thinking about it all through the night and then it will just add up from there. Can I quickly just add, Google has a great option where you can schedule emails in the morning. Oh. So if I am like 11 p.m., something that like I need to get out of my head and on paper, I put it in an email, I schedule it for the morning so I don't look bad, and I don't get caught up working during the night, and I go back to bed. How <laughs> Outlook does exactly the same, and there's been a few times where I've been like, I have a really interesting point to add to this, but it's somebody from America who sent it, and I'm like, it shouldn't be on my emails right now. I know it's been pushed to my phone, and I respond, I put it as like a scheduled send so that it comes up the next morning. So everybody, it, I also just apply it by having a little bit more time in bed the next morning. Send an email, it's 15 minutes in bed. That's great. That's a really great life hack. Just like you have an extra 10 minutes in bed, of course. <laughs> you know, when you come in going like, yeah, I, I did something cool, and I, <laughs> I gave 10 minutes of my time. And nobody knows that you said, scheduled send so you can send it and then be like yeah. walk into work and someone's like oh I saw you just sent an email I'm like yes I totally sent that at 9am not at 1am last night when I thought about it really on top of your game <laughs> but it is also a case of yeah. trying to encourage people to not work those extra hours to not work those late hours like I'm jesting about that but it's a once in a oh I've just thought of the brilliant way to solve this really interesting problem and I'm deliberately actively going I'm not emailing my colleagues because I don't want them to think about it I don't want them to get that push notification yes so I'm actively trying to do it so that I can get it out of my head and get it on paper but so that I'm not affecting my other employees well-being one thing people are very bad is to know how much they're working. Like, no one knows how much they're working. In reality, even if you want to have a good functioning event, um, many years ago, I'll say maybe a year and a half years ago, about 10 years ago, I did a lot of consulting and had to charge per hour. And I saw the financial cost of burnout. So I started charging by half hours, and I was doing a lot of work, 16 hour days, and then I got to the point where I burnt out for two or three weeks without income because I couldn't do that. Ever since then, I find I have apps that run on my, my machine that say how much I'm working, how many hours I'm working a week. And I suggest to people, I'm, I'm not going to track what they do. I don't care what they do in precise terms. But I want people to track and say, how many hours did you last week? I mean, about midnight today. Track all of it. How much work did you do 
overall and be responsible to yourself as an employee. Right? As, a, as a leader, I can tell you, please be responsible for yourself. Be fairer for yourself. You're an intelligent being. I'm not going to track how much you're doing because we're a known company. It's impossible. I don't know who you're an escort, who you're not doing whatever. I just see your Slack message or your, or your email, right? So the same, please empower yourself to make sure that you're not going out. If you've done two weeks of 60 hour weeks, you should be the first to know that sometimes they are not. And I think you raise actually a very important business point as far now that I think people want to ignore, but usually, well, I've noticed it's the employees that suffer burnout are usually the ones that take on a lot of work. And usually those are the people that you can't afford to lose. Yeah. So I find like from your business perspective, there is a massive emphasis in making sure these people don't burn out because losing those people will have such a massive knock-off effect on the rest of the team that you should always be very aware of like why someone is working 60 hours. Like, is it something personal that they feel they want to prove that they're like good employees, or is it, you know, you have a system that's not operating rightly that needs constant tending to? What be what is the business problem that is going to be solved by a human being overworking themselves? Because if you ignore it, if this person starts getting ill, and that's the thing with burnout, it's not a one-off. It is a continuous deterioration of health. Yeah. If, if there's no one else to take over that system or support that system, you will be in a much worse situation six months down the line than saying to someone, like, hey, let's talk about this, let's see why this is happening, let's address it, is it hiring more people, is it redesigning the system, is it looking at the whole production process in a different way? Because at the end of the day, you have to tend to your business as well. Yeah. And employee well-being is really beneficial to your business. And for studios, like we, we get funding, we have to meet milestones, we have to produce at a certain rate. We start having like, oh, we lost our lead AI designer because to burn it. Can we go back to your publisher and say, can we get another one that knows all of our systems? Therefore, we can't go for the person that's got a year's worth of knowledge. It's really difficult to do that. So, from a business point of view, it's just like, don't have that. That's bad. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with you. It's, it's responsibility. There's a responsibility on the employer as well to like check these like um, and yeah have an eye on these not just an ask what in in a company. Uh, yeah, I feel like for now for me it's um, not been just um, when I work too many hours because I work freelance too and I did many hours. It, it was more for me for now that like do a lot of hours but it seems nothing can come out of it. But there's an element of that also, of like not having enough autonomy or like control over what you're doing. I think there's an element of that too in burnout, but it's just not for me. Yeah. I mean, that leads on to the other thing is that not having autonomy or having changes in the process, which happens in games, but is being able to tell people changes will happen. You might cut that thing that you really love, but it's, ha it's having to come up with strategies and saying, like, no, that can't happen. And how we do that is by actually having quite a lot of them. We cut a lot of stuff, but everyone's used to that great idea that you had. It's not going to make it for good reasons, right? And then you don't get this thing that you're like, I must make it all, keep it all. Yeah. No, that's, that's fantastic. Um, sorry, time is slowly getting on. So I'll, I'll move on to the next question, actually, because this is all fascinating. I could just like, sit here and listen for hours. Um, so maybe my next question is like, you know, already you've 
the scope of well-being and what it means is so huge. And yeah, one size does not fit all. So I guess my next question is, how do you acknowledge and cater for different marginalized groups of people within your studio? So that could include people who have specific disabilities, neuro neurodiverse people, um, people of color, LGBT, and more. Because obviously, when if, if you're part of a different group, or if you're part of multiple groups, you know you that is something that you want to cater for and protect that particular employee or even yourself as well. Um, so then, I guess the straight question to that is like. Because I can't think about all the possible means of everybody 
It is just that the municipality and its management then can do that and can have completely different backgrounds and duties. And what's just about, I think, nurture a culture where you feel you can call out things as they happen yeah. and you will listen to. And there's also actions that follow through when you call out something out. So there's like systems in place for this. And not an effort, and I think there should be experts working in the company to do that, trained, um, um, you know, diverse advisors that can work for the company and help us also recognize subcultural biases, work on those, because everybody can have that societal mindset, unfortunately. And as I've worked for, because I do think that most of us should be outside the company because they, there's an interest that is for the workers and the company. So I think it should be like kind of bilateral organizations, but that's a thought that I got, yeah. Yeah, just to strike to your point, I think it's very important. Please hire experts. Your diverse people are not there to solve your, solve your diversity problems. Like, and pay them. Yeah, and absolutely pay them. Please pay them. Um, have, like, not every woman is an expert on, on maternity leave. Not every transgender person is an expert on LGBT. M most of us don't like being asked about these kind of things. Just please let us do our job. Um, pay the experts, listen to the experts. Um, if people want to participate, obviously make an open space where if someone wants to come in and say and raise an issue, always, always look after that space. Don't put that responsibility just on your diverse employees because it's absolutely costly. Not only being an expert in what you do, but also suddenly having to be an expert in your ethnicity, in your gender, in your sexuality. And you're like, why am I suddenly having three additional jobs here? Please, like, just let me do this thing that I you're paying me for. I just leave me alone. There's quite a few things that, um, for example, what I have worked with neurodiversity, but what we have to try to change is that um, meeting, we're, all, we're in a remote context, so we don't have often accessibility issues because we're all remote. But we do have this idea of like Zoom meetings and people have a lot of people. Uh, this is very hard for some neurodiverse people because it's hard enough being in a meeting, reading everyone's interactions on Zoom is a challenge for them because it's, it's mental as well. So we make sure that we don't want to exclude them from these meetings. If the meetings are been just a video presentation that anyone can comment on, even better. Sometimes you have meetings with people like Nina who are the loudest in the room, right? So I'm on general talking, not allowing other voices to be heard. Sometimes if they don't have that presentation, everybody can. And I've seen good results from that because you now get more opinions because they're not being judged. The community that can be private, can be public, everything can slack. And that's good. The other side is the studio that you're always talking about. Which is, yeah, I don't know about maternity leave, I don't know about all of these other subjects. So, as a small studio, we're looking to hire external HR to manage those sides and also an external moderation company so that complaints, because if I am the end person to be complaining at, right, I'm also your boss. I am also the leader of the company. I'm the guy publishing it. So, I'm really the wrong person for you to say, look, you, you seem to be really wrong. Somebody else in the room to say, okay, so one of the agreements is now 
because of our laws are saying they're not real experts, but we need them to say they're not real experts. And we know that because I'm an expert at technology, and again, not an expert at HR, so I hire an expert. I'm also not a lawyer, so I hire a lawyer. Oh, that's great because you, you manage to learn something from it and then 
uh, you made the whole studio culture better because you went through that. So I, I, I know it can be a bit scary, it's like, my gosh, I, I have so many different elements to make right from the get-go, but you know, that, that's impossible, you know, things will go wrong, mistakes will happen, but it's, it's how we prove ourselves afterwards and how are we actively making things better for everyone as well. So yeah, maybe a bit of an uncomfortable question, but I, that's, that's kind of like what I wanted to foster within this dialogue is like, you know, we're normal, we're not perfect, and even I make mistakes, even though I try to be accessible and inclusive to everyone else, but you know, I'm also still learning, but it's about, you know, fostering that care for the next generation of game devs as well, because, you know, industry changes. Yeah, um, I have another example of yeah. this. Um, uh, one, of, one of the artists we were working with, uh, an excellent artist, very great person, um, and she submitted this character design for a homeless character with a particular skin tone and dreadlocks, and you're standing there and you look at it, you're like, this is incredibly problematic. It was, it was a very big moment for me thinking about how do I, how do I feedback this in a way that this person understands why what they've done is wrong without shaming them for it. Because there's, there's this really dangerous territory that when you shame people, they pull back and they get very scared and they tend to become even aggressive. Yeah. And I remember like sitting down with her and discussing you know, why this is problematic, but in a way of, like, hey, I've got these articles here, you can read about, like, where these particular hairstyles are applied, why this character, you know, needs to look differently, and all of these things. Um, it was a very particular moment of reckoning for me, because that's when I started comparing what eventually became Pixel. It's a, it's a database I, I run with, like, diversity resources, because I, I realized that a lot of us are learning an awful lot about diversity right now, and a lot of us are very scared of making these mistakes and getting things wrong, but we're not making a move. And, no one, and, and I realize everyone needs like a safe space to kind of like sit down and educate themselves and understand why staking out pronouns is important, why some people choose to cover up their hair, why some people need gender-neutral toilets, and all of these things that we're very scared to ask these questions, we need like a safe little space to kind of like understand, and you know, it starts with like having these resources available to everyone, so that if you're scared to ask a question, or scared to make a mistake, there's still a safe way to learn, and then also accepting that we will be making mistakes, like I, I as a manager, will say the wrong things and you know my employees will do the wrong things and that's okay as long as you own up to it and you say yes I you know as you're saying from your account it's like okay let's see if there is a better way of doing that rather than oh god shame I shall never see the light of day ever again. We don't like apply to people. We don't want to shame them because of something that they've done. There's a lot of changes in society that happen over the last five, ten years not everyone's catching up. Not everyone is in that circle. And you have to be kind generally everywhere. You should be kind, please be kind. And even kind to people that make mistakes because most of the time they're not done out of nastiness in them or evilness. It's just you know, they don't know that subject. Right? You can't go and get yourself to a court of form saying this is what is wrong. You can go and get a court of form, but 
the studio. We can't do it like this. This is fun. I don't know, it's not the same. No, that, that, that is really fantastic as well. It's like, because, yeah, if you do shame, shame someone, even, even unintentionally, then they're not more willing to learn and educate themselves or why. They'll be like, ooh, okay, I'm just not going to interact with these kind of people because I feel like I'm going to be instantly shamed the moment I walk into the room or the moment I say something. So, yeah, it, again, on the flip side, it's like always encouraging, like, okay, you did, you did something wrong, which is not very good, but this is the why, and this is, at the end of the day, if you change your behavior, you'll be um, putting more positive aspects within the industry. So there is a, a long-term a long goal as a, like a whole community of game tech. Um, yeah. Any, any other? I do agree, I think communication is the, the first thing, like something like yeah. good communication. For me, uh, it comes happening that I was like, about discussion that was making me uncomfortable, what I did was just uh, decided to be not comfortable with the conversation, I didn't want to keep going, and then if they asked me why, I would explain, and usually they always would solve with a story and an explanation for me and their side, so I think communication is the most important thing. Like, yeah. um, and the same happened at my last year. In fact, I had this one guy who was just like, 
would have any reason to me, he'd be like, oh, I think Kat was talking. And I love him so much. <laughs> but it's having that advocacy and somebody else speaking up for you in places where somebody is obviously ignoring you. Like, he would wait for me to be like, hello, I was talking. And then if they ignored me again, he'd be like, actually, I think you're playing Kat was talking. Uh, which is always just a super nice thing to have. I mean, there's loads of events like that to help us be there. Um, only at, at the current iteration, the amount of really good ideas that come out, those events, what I've put in place is working. Yeah. Like, there's no people throwing me off and saying, like, um, I'm no, no, you're not done. Oh, this sounds really managerial, I'm sorry. The other side of it is having honesty in the studio when people may have those impressions. And actually, honestly, without finding people such as publishers, I've had like publishers reject. And the ones that have been really honest about what they, why they're rejecting and whether it fits or whether it doesn't, it's actually been like the most positive thing of like rejection being positive. Like, yeah, they want to go, they go, well, okay, it doesn't matter. The next, uh, the next thing we're going to do, we'll do with you because we now know what we're talking about, right? And always that honesty and like, um, forgetting work, but like everyone being happy in what they're doing and doing like really great work shows you that. that there's a positivity in it. Yeah. I think it shows me in it. Great. Anything else to add? I mean, like, my next question is just like final thoughts. <laughs> so, if there's anything else you want to add or another example, well, I can. Well, I can add uh, a person thing that happened to me at Boo. This was the Ask My Choir in the past uh, two, uh, two months, but in my home country. Whatever, but I promise it's one of the things that kicked off massively as well. 
suddenly realize why my manager never questions my spreadsheets. <laughs> are, are you a spreadsheet person? Are you a spreadsheet person? It's my favorite spreadsheet. It's a special one. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep that spreadsheet. <laughs> I am not. <laughs>
stress me out. And when they say that, they mean that in a very like harsh way. So we find a way that they're not that bad. They can view the video of it, they don't have to respond at the time, but we, we then have feedback from everyone. Right? So we, we equalize the, the situation so that they're not feeling left out. Uh, I don't know that specific point about how, how to do that, but it'd be having that conversation beforehand so it's just all of us. Because as we said before, people that are in, in your company, part of the company, in game development team, we don't have we don't have machinery, we have people and imagination, so that's everyone's important. Every single week, 
in their interview stage, they go, oh, we appreciate people who've got a lot of passion for the job, a lot of drive. Um, we obviously, like, I, I can think of certain studios where they will use specific words and, yeah, check that score as well. I know it's not very good for the games industry, but read about why people might have liked that studio. Well, thank you, Jerry, for your time as you join a company that is only a few months of age there. There's other ways, the company has three, three months to prove it to this place. Thank you. Did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. You're in place. Um, it is now two minutes past one, so quickly, any other final like one-liners that you want to pass by to our audience and then we can wrap up? You're looking at me from the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice. Thank that fan Bohemian. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, yeah. I'm sure that you, if you have any further questions for me, I'm sure you can reach out. I'm probably stealing your final liner, aren't I? Oh, don't touch the final the Instagrams, the social medias. Reach out, ask us questions. Ask people questions in the industry. Most people yeah. are very nice and friendly. They will answer. If they don't understand, it's probably because they're very busy. Um, there's an interview game stand if you want to get into games. They're great. Thank you. <laughs> Anything, I'm just going to repeat this. <laughs> it's so important, especially when you're dealing with difficult people. Because difficult people are usually not difficult, they're usually in pain. So try and go like a really, really long way. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I, I'm going to formally wrap up as well. So yeah, you can find us on all the social media. So this is mostly hosted by Game Dev London. Um, yeah, at Game Dev London on Twitter. We have Insta, we're on Facebook. Um, we mostly do podcasts as well. But um, yeah, thank you everyone. Communicate, be healthy, and fostering that culture. Thank you everyone. Thank you. Thank you.